On this episode of Documental Radio, I'm speaking with Patrick McGinnis, the guy who coined the term FOMO and the host of the FOMO Sapiens podcast. And we have him here to talk about his new book, The Fear of Missing Out, Practical Decision-Making in a World of Overwhelming Choice. Patrick, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Alejandro. Good to be here. Let's start the discussion with an explanation of what is FOMO and FOBO. All right, FOMO and FOBO, uh, two sides of the same coin. Uh, both start with the word fear, fear of missing out, fear of a better option. We'll start with fear of missing out. Fear of missing out is an anxiety that there's something better happening than what you're doing right now, and it's often fueled by social media. And uh, it's also a fear of being left out of a, of a beneficial collective group experience. So that, you know, that feeling you have when you hear about something, whether it's party or, you know, some career opportunity and you just feel like, oh man, I wish I could do that or I want to do that, but I'm not doing that. And oh, my life is just not very good. Now, FOBO, fear of a better option is about a fear when you have lots of perfectly acceptable options in front of you, a reluctance to choose just one um, because you think something better might come along. And so therefore you kind of collect in your options and hold back before deciding, trying to wait until the perfect moment to choose the perfect thing. Of course, we all know there is no perfection. There are no riskless decisions. Yeah. And we'll turn back to the social media topic because it's extremely fitting to this conversation. But I wanted to share with you a quote that I came across in a book I was reading called The Revolt of the Masses by a famous philosopher, Jose Ortega Gasset. And the line by chance came up. I, I want to share this with the listeners and you as well. The, and keep in mind, this book was published over a century ago, okay, and by one of the most intellectual minds of that time. He goes, the life of man has increased in the dimension of potentiality. It can now count on a range of possibilities fabulously greater than ever before. In the intellectual order, it now finds more paths of ideation, more problems, more data, more science, and more points of view. Whereas a number of occupations in primitive life can almost be counted on the fingers of one hand. Shepherd, hunter, warrior, seer. The list of possible applications today is immeasurably long. Now, like I said, this is 100 years ago. <laughs> Imagine where we are now in 2020. Like, what is going through your mind when you hear something like this? And here we are now where we know in the future things are just going to get more complicated and there's going to be more choice. I had a great conversation with a gentleman called Michael Rogan, who is a neurobiologist, and he's also a practitioner of Buddhist meditation. And he explained to me, and I thought this was kind of to your point exactly, he said, listen, the feelings that we have, especially this FOMO feeling, it's not new. It's part of the human experience. And in fact, you can go back to the time of Buddha, which was a proto-agrarian society, and people have the same kinds of anxieties we have. And that's why they came up with meditation as a way to detach from that stress, right? So, so it is, I think it's in our DNA. It goes back to the earliest humans. The change, of course, is that uh, just as you identified in, in that quote, I mean, that was 100 years ago. The acceleration has only increased and increased and is increasing. And so the cognitive load that we're asked to bear only goes up. And, and so at the time of Ortega Gasset, that, that quote, you could compare yourself to your neighbors. Um, you could read in the newspaper, you could, you know, you get data points. And so that would provoke these feelings, right? This reference anxiety of comparing ourselves to others. But now, of course, you can compare yourself to, you know, anybody in the world very easily. You can go on Instagram, find some stranger you've never heard of and start feeling these feelings. So I think that, um, that's a pretty awesome quote, and uh, and it's very much in the same sort of way I think about things. 
it makes me think, you know, growing up in school, we were never taught formally how to make decisions, right? There was no class like decision making where we could kind of role play in a simulation or do board games to see different outcomes and consequences. Why do you think that is? You think that maybe by now we would have had that solved or even put in place? Well, I think people generally think they make good decisions and that nobody else does. And I'll tell you, it's funny because I did this TED talk about uh, decision-making called how to, how to make faster decisions. And when it came out, people started commenting and which is great. I, I was very happy to, that they wanted to engage, but everybody had a story about why their decision-making was better than everybody else's and how my theory was flawed. And it kind of made me laugh because usually I talk about things that are a little bit more, um, you know, people don't necessarily feel like their expertise is in that area, like entrepreneurship. A lot of people haven't been entrepreneurs, so they don't question. But with decision-making, because we all do it all the time, we somehow think that we have figured it out. And I think that's kind of one, it's kind of like health and diet and exercise. We all think that, you know, we eat healthy enough or whatever, but if we really look at it, you know, probably optimize. And so what, uh, what, what I think uh, that, that that's an opportunity because it means that we have thousands of chances every day to practice. And you know, that what I'm trying to do in my work, and by the way, I, you know, I'm not a clinical psychologist. So I, I've, you know, I've come up with my own theories, but I've also based it in research and based it in what other people do and based it in the business world so that I can give people something of value um, that, you know, I've been able to get from others as well, because we're all learning from each other. It makes me think of, you know, the role of social media now based on all this, this conversation, you know, we see a lot of photos and videos online and, you know, a lot of people and myself included at some point in my life, you feel that sense of anxiety is like, oh, you know, I'm missing out on that party and all that. And but in reality, this is all just kind of edited real life, right? Rarely is it as fun or crazy as it is presented, right? So how do we overcome that? How do we realize that this is the reality? not the one that's presented digitally. You put your finger on exactly where the problem begins. When we feel FOMO, when we see something uh, that provokes that anxiety in, in, uh, inside of us, uh, what's happening is um, <clears throat> we are we're looking at something that may not even be real, right? And so there's an information asymmetry between the knowledge that we have and whatever the heck that thing is. What does that mean? Information asymmetry means that we have, we have no ability to know what's real. And so therefore, we fill in the blanks with lots of speculation and noise and things that don't serve us. And so what you have to do to start, really, is to think critically about the things you're seeing. Okay, so for example, um, you see something, uh, a job, say, on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the FOMO killer for me. <laughs> For LinkedIn just gives me all the FOMO in the world because, you know, I, I have a lot of connections and I, I have a lot of friends who've done great things. I, you know, even if I wanted to, I couldn't do a lot of them and I couldn't do them all. But of course, it, it's natural to feel that way. So when I see those things, I, I start to think to myself, okay, number one, could I have even done this? Like, you know, am I going to get up at a conference in Zurich and present the findings of my research into, you know, a vaccine for COVID? No. So I can't feel FOMO about that. It's ridiculous. Number two, can I afford to do this? Number three, do I have time to do this? Number four, if I did this thing, what would I have to give up? Thinking critically about it. Number five, like what, what's really happening there? You know, a lot of people, I mean, we have this whole sort of culture around sort of humble bragging online. I'm so honored to do this or that, right? Um, what's really going on? You know, are these things as good as they look? And so that's a big part of the process. Um, there's another big part of the process, which is, as I mentioned earlier, there's a aspect of FOMO, which is about doing something because you don't want to be left, left out, right? So when you do that, you're, you're actually being a follower. 
right? You're being a lemming. Your motivation isn't coming from the inside. It's coming from an external source. And so therefore, uh, you don't want to live your life chasing after other people's dreams. You want to figure out what yours are and go after them. And so uh, the second part of overcoming these feelings is to think very clearly about what is your motivation. And, and, and if it's not pure, you don't want to be there. So many great points. It makes me think it's also not physically possible to do all these things, right? So if you're making a decision, you'll never know the other outcome because you just can't be in two places at once, unless we can create some alternate reality in the future. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. But um, no, it's, an, it's a really interesting point that you make. What are some practical tips that we can give listeners today? You mentioned meditation at some point, which was interesting. You said critical thinking, which is crucial. Are there any other things that we can take away from today's interview that we can start to manage these expectations and this issue in general? Yeah, I got two easy things we can all do starting today. And then I'll also recommend that you check out the TED Talk, How to Make Faster Decisions, because that it's, you know, we, we don't have enough time to get into it today, but it really explains just how to move through the things that, you know, hold you back. And so it's seven, six minutes of your day. I promise you will love it. Um, and in terms of two things I can give you today, number one, um, okay, it's interesting. So we're all in quarantine right now and uh, we'll be getting out soon, we hope. But um, people in the beginning of quarantine said, oh, FOMO's dead. And I was like, maybe. But the thing <laughs> is, the thing that gives us FOMO is the thing we're spending more time with than ever, which is our digital devices, right? Yeah. My screen time is... I mean, I'm supposed to be good at this stuff. Like my screen time is way up. Okay. And I'll admit it. I, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a coping mechanism and it, it, you know, it's just, it's a connectivity to the world that we cannot participate in. So I'm being easy on myself right now, but there are a couple of things that I have done uh, that really help. Number one is remove social media from your phone. Um, so I took Twitter off my phone for two years and it, really made a difference. It basically changed the way I, I use Twitter. And so I put it back on now, but I have a healthy relationship with it. I used to get all upset and angry, you know, and now I use it as a business tool and nothing more. Number two, um, you know, I put uh, all of them in the back of my phone in a folder. So it's, they're not just there tempting me every time I open my phone. Oh, wow. um, so that's, that's really helpful. And then the other thing that, uh, so I think that's, that's one thing is just being, being, you know, you're not going to quit all your, your social media. Some people do that. I, I can't, I need to do it for work, but I put it in a place that it's not top of mind. Number two, I made rules about how I use my phone to check news. So I used to be checking news all day long on my phone. And I basically said, I'm not allowed to look at news on my phone, only on a desktop. Mm -hmm. And so I probably cut my news consumption by 80%. And then finally, um, and this one is, uh, this one is like, so, so powerful, but shocking how little it's done is that statistics show that about 85% of people have their phones near their bed and that 90% of millennials actually sleep with their phones very close, even under their pillows. Mm. Why? Why do we do that? Because we have an alarm clock on our phone. And so it's like, that's the Trojan horse. We bring, oh, you know, I just want to set the alarm. You bring it and put it next to you because you, you really, it's, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, it's very reliable. Well, yeah. And then that is the temptation to open up during the night, look at it first, right before you go to bed, look at it first thing in the morning. And that is all really bad for you. It's, it's a really bad way to, 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 to start your day or end your day. And so what I do is I, um, I got this thing from Ariana Huffington. Um, I was over at their offices at Thrive and she gave me this, this bed that I put my phone on and she sells them on Amazon. You don't need to buy a bed to do this, but you could do. 
and you plug the bed. You pl- it's got a charger. You plug your phone and you put it on the bed and then you go to bed. And then in the morning, both of you are recharged. You pick it up and move on with your day. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's away from you. And you can put your phone, you can sleep naked on the kitchen counter for all I care. But I'm telling you, um, you just get an old-fashioned alarm clock or I use Alexa for my um, alarm. And it's a massive, massive improvement in, in your life. Huge. That's great advice. Um, where does your, where, where, I'm going to, Alejandro, where's your phone when you sleep? <laughs> uh, I guess I'm guilty of leaving it near my bed, but it's on airplane mode. So I guess that's a little bit better. It, okay. So I'm going to, okay. I, I'm going to push back on you. I know it's your show, so I shouldn't be rude. To you, but, <laughs> no, no, please, please. <laughs> but uh, there is uh, research that shows that even if our phone is turned over in on a, near us uh, while we're having a conversation, we are less focused than mm-hmm. we would be if the phone were put away. So just, it's still there in your, you know, it's kind of like if you have a, uh, I'm trying to think of a great example, but like, you know, say you have a, a, a like a, an animal in a cage, a deadly animal in a cage, it's 20 feet from you. Even though it's in the cage, you know, you're safe from it. You know, you're still checking every once in a while. Same thing with the phone. So get the phone out of the room, please. Mental notes. I like that. <laughs> I needed to hear that. <laughs> no, uh, Patrick, that's great advice for the listeners and myself. Um, to close the interview, could you give listeners an idea of where they can find you online to continue this conversation? Yeah. So my website is patrickmcginnis.com. And uh, I'd recommend that you check out my podcast. It's called FOMO Sapiens. It's distributed by Harvard Business Review. And on the show, we talk with entrepreneurial thinkers about how they make decisions in their lives. And so we've had people like Andrew Yang, CEOs of companies like Zola and Luke's Lobster, various senior people at Reddit and Sesame Street and Chobani. So um, it's been a lot of fun. And the show, I think, you know, we talk about some of the things we talked about here. So I think if you like this show, you like mine too. And then also the new book is called Fear of Missing Out, Practical Decision-Making in a World of Overwhelming Choice. It's available obviously at Amazon, digital and physical, but you can get it kind of at any bookstore you want. So if you're looking for more links to maybe your independent bookstore, you can check out links on my website, patrickmeanis.com. Awesome, Patrick. Thank you so much. You uh, provide a lot of great insight for us and I appreciate your time, man. Hey, thanks for having me.